Welcome back. Episode number five. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. It's your favorite day of the week. Thursday, September 27, 2018. We got a good show today. We got some good stuff. Monster games in college football. I mean huge games. I can't wait for this Saturday. NFL, we got some good games. It's the first time, finally, there's finally a good game on Thursday night. I don't have to pretend like they're interesting anymore. We actually have a good game on Thursday that I get to talk about. Um, some stardom, sit em. Uh Jimmy Butler saga is ongoing, and it's going to keep going and going and going. And I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. We're going to talk about that, Jimmy Buckets. But first, today, leading off, no pun intended, we got some baseball it's the first time since the first episode that we have some baseball to talk about, and it's pretty exciting. It's a lot of crazy scenarios. I'm probably going to confuse myself. I'm probably going to confuse you, so let's do it. I can't wait. Last weekend of the season, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, obviously starting tomorrow. A lot of teams are off today. Uh, it's just one of the scheduled travel days for most teams. There are games today, um, but, but the majority of teams are off today. They'll play the last series of the season, being Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Get a day off Monday. NL Wild Cards on Tuesday. AL Wild Cards on Wednesday. NLDS starts on Thursday. And ALDS starts on Friday. It's all, this whole week's going to be so exciting. So next week, we're really going to have a big, big MLB um, session or uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to have a lot of MLB next week because the official playoffs start next Thursday. That's one week from today, obviously. Um, but with that in mind, we have the two wild card games, the most exciting games of the entire season, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. First one being the NL wild card. Well, let's get to the AL wild card first because that's going to—that's the only one that's set. The NL wild card, we're going to have. That's where it's going to get confusing. So first, at the AL wild card, you have the Yankees and the A's. The only thing that's Left to be determined is where that game is going to be played. Uh, is it going to be in the Coliseum in Oakland, or is it going to be in Yankee Stadium, the short porch? Uh, right now, the A's, I believe they're a game and a half back of the Yankees, so they pretty much need to win uh, all three games this weekend, all the rest of their games, and they need the, they need the Yankees to lose uh, two out of three of the rest of these the games. I think the Yankees are going, to go, are going to hold on. I think it would benefit the A's. To play in Yankee Stadium on the road, which sounds crazy because the Yankees have one of the best home field advantages in all of baseball, along with the Red Sox and the Cubs and Wrigleyville. But the reason I say that is because the A's do not have a starting pitcher. Um, they're going to need as many runs as they possibly can score. Uh, Sean Manaya is out for the season. He's not coming back, which is not good for the A's. The Yankees have well, they don't have too many starters. They don't know who they can trust. Do you give it to Masahiro Tanaka? Do you give it to Sevi? Do you give it to uh, J.A. Happ? It's, it's a lot of combination of things. So looking like it's going to be Severino. He went five innings last night against the Rays, two earned runs and seven strikeouts. So not the most efficient uh, outing in the world, but I do think they pulled him a little bit early to kind of rest his arm. Looks like he's going to be the starter for that wild card game. So you'll have Severino and the Yankees against Matt Chapman and the A's. The, the, the A's just don't have an ace. They don't have a starter, a, n- a number one starter. And neither do the Yankees, really, but the Yankees have, well, they're the Yankees. They have Judge. They have Sanchez, who's starting. He's looking like he's, gonna, he's uh, picking up some steam, which is not good for everyone else in the playoffs, in the AL specifically. And you have uh, Giancarlo, obviously, Andrew McCutcheon. You uh, added him off of a waiver trade. Or waiver claim. I'm gonna take the Yankees for that one because they they have they have a starting pitcher. They can they have a few starting pitchers that they can choose from. But Severino, if he plays like pre All Star game, Severino, it, there's no contest. I'll take the Yankees. But I think the A's would benefit, especially having uh, Crush Davis and Matt Chapman, two of their their big dogs in the lineup, and uh, Matt Olson, another home run hitter too. Um, they're going to benefit from that short porch, but I just think the Yankees are going to be too much, especially with that bullpen. If Severino struggles, you could see the Yankees do what they did in last year's wild card game and just make it a pure bullpen game. And at that point, you lose because the Yankees' bullpen is probably one of the best in baseball. So AO wild card, I'll take the Yankees, which makes it even more exciting because we finally get to see for the. I think it's the first time since the Bloody Sox series, which is a long time ago, 14 years ago. 
we're going to get a Yankees-Red Sox playoff series. I think that's the last time I could be wrong, but in my memory, it's the last time the Yankees and the Red Sox have played in the postseason, and I can't wait. Those are the two most exciting teams in baseball. You have the Astros too, but they're not arch I don't. There's no explanation. This is Duke, Carolina. This is Alabama, Auburn. Yankees, Red Sox. Playoffs. I can't wait. The only, the only bad part about it is it's going to be a hyphenated series. It's not going to be a full seven-game series because it will be a, an ALDS series. So it'll, only be, it'll be a best of five. But we still, get, we still get Yankees, Red Sox. So can't wait for that. Moving to the NL now. All kinds of madness going on over there. There are three teams fighting for two spots left, that being the Rockies, the Dodgers, and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rockies and the Dodgers separated by half a game for the NL West. The Cardinals a game and a half back, or one game back, of the Dodgers for the second wild card, and then obviously a game and a half back of the Rockies for that second wild card spot should the Rockies fall behind the Dodgers. Uh, there's all kinds of bad. There's nothing set in the end. That's why. That's the reason why I'm not doing uh, a full postseason prediction preview this week. I'm gonna have to wait till next week because nothing is set in the NL. The only thing that's set in the NL is the Braves. That's it. That's the only thing you're, that is set in stone. You know you're gonna get the Brew Crew. The Brewers. There, I think three and a half or four games up for the first wild card game. They've already clinched, actually, so that, let's get that out of the way. The Brewers have clinched, the Cubs have clinched, and the Braves have clinched. But what separates the Brewers and the Cubs from the Braves is that the NL Central is still very much up for grabs. So the Cardinals play the Cubs this last uh, series of the season. The Giants are going to be playing the Dodgers for the last series of the season. Um, so that's should the Cardinals sweep or take two out of three from the Cubs, the Cubs could wind up playing in the wild card game. Excuse me. The Brewers could pass the Cubs, playing, win the Central, and get that first. They would have a first round bye, um, tech, so to speak, not a first round bye. But they would play. They would play the winner of the wild card series. That could that could be the Dodgers. It could be the Rockies. It could be the Cardinals. It could be the Cubs. It's just so much madness right now. It's unbelievable. So there will be a three-game series in Wrigleyville between the Cubs and the Cardinals. Both teams need, need that series. The Cubs don't need it as much as the Cardinals because they have already clinched. But you don't want to get in that wild card. You don't want to get into a, a, your whole season down to one, one game. You want to get into a full series. Uh, the Cub, I mean, excuse me, the Dodgers are going to be playing the Giants with Clayton Kershaw scheduled to pitch on Sunday. And here's why that's not the greatest thing in the world for the Dodgers. Should the season come down to that game, if you need to win that last game of the season, which you probably will. I mean, I don't think anything's going to be set within a game or two. You're going to need that last game. But you eliminate the possibility of Clayton Kershaw playing in that wild card series. The Dodgers are going all in on winning the division, as they should. You don't, like I said, you don't want to bank on playing in the wild card game. But should they get into that wild card game, they'd be without Clayton Kershaw because the NL wild card game's on Tuesday, and Clayton Kershaw would have just pitched on Sunday. So who would, who would you rather have in a wild? You want to have your ace out there. You want to have your number one guy. The Dodgers would not have Clayton Kershaw for that one. Should they win that game, they would probably have him ready by game one, maybe game two of the NLDS. And I don't even know who they play for that because we don't know who's going to win the NL Central. Uh, but who would the Dodgers starter be in an NL wild card game? And it would mo- it, it's going to be on the road. If the Dodgers get into the wild card game, they're going to they're going to play on the road. I mean, that's, there's no no way around that. The Rockies also um, they'll be either in Wrigleyville. Or in, uh, excuse me, Miller Park. So who would the Dodgers start to be at that point? Um, I think if the Dodgers get into the wild card game, I don't see them winning that game. Especially as suspect and as inconsistent as their offense is, you can't, you can't bank on the Dodgers for any one game. You don't know what Dodger team you're going to get. Um, on Sunday, they scored 14 runs. And last night, they couldn't, they were, I think they only scored, oh, they scored one run um, against, uh, two runs, excuse me. The Diamondbacks, they lost 7-2, to two and they just could not. They were awful with runners in scoring position. They were terrible. So I think if the Dodgers get into that wild card game, they're going to lose. I don't see them winning that game. Because, who is, again, who's your starter? It would probably be uh, maybe Rich Hill, 
maybe Walker Bueller, uh, Walker Bueller or being a rookie. So he's a wild card game for his very first postseason start. That's not the atmosphere you want to throw him in. Would it be Alex Wood? Probably not. He's been moved to the bullpen. Um, and Rich Hill, he's just not a. He's had an okay season. Uh, he had a really good year last year. Everyone on the Dodgers had a really good year last year, but uh, not the same this year. Uh, for the Rockies, again, who would uh, who are you banking on for the Rockies? You don't know uh, if they're gonna hang on. They're only a half game up. The Dodgers are behind right now, and they lost, so everything looks bad because you have these massive shifts. But they're only half game back, and the Rockies do not have a lot of breathing room. They're probably going to need to win three straight, which they, they absolutely can since getting swept by the Dodgers. They're undefeated. They haven't lost since getting swept by the Dodgers. So they're on a roll right now. The Cubs have been struggling really bad. They're, they've been struggling too. And the Brew Crew, they have the same. it's a similar situation. You have a team in the Cubs that have been winning the, the division year after year after year, and a, a new team, a hungry team, uh, being the Rockies and the Brewers just chasing them down. Uh, I actually think because the Cardinals need this series to even get into the playoffs, I think they're going to take two out of three from the Cubs. The Brewers will pass the Cubs. The Cubs will play in the wild card game. And I think the Dodgers will hang. I think, I think they'll take two out of three, if not sweep the Giants. Now, the thing about that one, the Giants are, they've been out of the postseason, but the Dodgers and the Giants are arch rivals. The Giants are going to be playing like it's the World Series. But I think the Dodgers are going to hang on. The Cubs have the they have their last excuse me the Rockies have their last game, uh, last series at home. I just think the Dodgers are going to find a way to win um, two out of three in uh, AT&T Park. So the Dodgers will play the Braves in the NLDS, and you'll have the Rockies and the Cubs in the wild card with the Brewers awaiting the winner of that game. So that's how I think it's all going to shake out. May not. We will see over the weekend, um, and I can't wait. Can't wait for those wild card games. I can't wait for the Yankees and the A's. That game's going to be so much fun. And I don't know if I can't wait for the NL wild card because I have no idea who's going to play in there. It could be any combination of teams. There are three teams fighting for two spots, but it could be four different teams playing in that uh, NL wild card. You don't have no idea who's going to end up in there. It could be the Cubs. The Rockies, the Brewers, the Dodgers, or the Cardinals. So that's five teams. You have five different teams, any combination of, of the group that could play in that one game for the whole season. Also, there's something to think about as a tiebreaker. If the Dodgers and the Rockies or the Cubs end up in a tiebreaker, you'd have extra games to play um, in that scenario. If the Dodgers won the season series against the Rockies, so if the Dodgers and the Rockies end up in a tie, that game, that tiebreaker would be played at Dodger Stadium. If the Dodgers and the Cardinals ended up in a tie for that second wild card spot, that game would be played at Bush Stadium. Um, there's so many, so there's a, that's another one game playoff before the one game playoff. So there's so many things that can possibly happen in over the span of four days or three days because uh, the Rock, the Dodgers are off today. I think the Cardinals are also off today. So uh, meaning the Cubs are also off today. So many different things could possibly happen. Um, it's going to be a lot going on in baseball over this weekend. So with that being said, let's move on. We got some college football. We have some monster games, monster games this, uh, this Saturday, Ohio state number four against number nine, Penn state. That game's going to be in happy Valley. Then you have my playoff pick that, uh, maybe wasn't the smartest pick in the world at the time, but now I'm looking like a genius Stanford number seven against Notre Dame. Number eight, that game's going to be in South Bend. Really dangerous place to play. So these first, what is it, week three, week four in uh, college football, Penn State, just the perception of them has been that they've been in a lot of trouble, that they've been struggling, they've been in um, uh, upset alert every single week. And I looked, I looked at their scoring because I do my research. This is a really professional podcast that I do take it very seriously so i went and i looked at all their scoring here's every game yes this is going to be week five actually in college football 45 38 against appalachian state 51 to 6 against pitt 63 to 10 against kent kent state and 63 24 against illinois but every single week in the first half you see oh penn state's in trouble um kent state's or pitt's keeping it close 
Um, Illinois sticking around for an and a half for a half they were. Illinois is really keeping keeping it close with Penn State. So that tells me that they just start slow. They're just a slow starting team, and uh, but they finish games off really strong. I mean, if you look at the point differential, fifty one to six, sixty three to ten, sixty three twenty four. They put up points, but they're all in the second half. They just start off really slow. Um, this week, they're not going to have that luxury. They're just not going to have the luxury of being able to start off slow and then pull away and dominate in the second half. Even though even though they're at home, that's one of the, the better home fields in uh, college football is Happy Valley. Those whiteouts are amazing. If I had a chance to go to any game in college football, I'd, I would want to go to one of those whiteouts. They're, they're unbelievable. Um, but they're playing Ohio State this year against um, the the consensus number two Heisman runner, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, side note here, two is going to win the Heisman Trophy. There's no way around that. Just so spoiler alert: Alabama is unstoppable. There's no one. There's no one else in the country. Okay, now we're talking about Heisman's. The cr- criteria for Heisman: you got to be a good player. You got to be amongst the best players in the country, and your team has to win. You can't be on a, a so-so team and win the Heisman. The only player to do it in my memory recently is Lamar Jackson. The first time he won it, and he ran it for it. Uh, he ran for Heisman again, and his team was worse the second year, so he didn't he didn't win it. Uh, Baker Mayfield won it, and his team was one of the best in the country. So Alabama, being as dominant as they are, and Tua being as amazing as he is, he's going to win it. Um, not to be outdone though is Dwayne Haskins. He's having a fantastic year on the season he has 16 passing touchdown this is ridiculous 75 percent completion rating unbelievable he completes three out of four of his passes every every three out of four of his passes are completed and they're not dink and dunk ohio state's airing the ball out they're also going to have uh, urban meyer for this game obviously um, he's off of suspension he was off last week but you know give yourself a week to really get back in the swing of things it's a huge game uh, Penn State's just not, they're just the worst team. They're just not as good as Ohio State. So I'm going to take Ohio State in Happy Valley. Uh, second game, huge, huge game. Stanford, Notre Dame. Uh, that one's going to be played in South Bend. That play, that's another legendary home field um, advantage in college football, South Bend. You have Happy Valley, uh, South Bend, obviously, Bryant-Denny Stadium. In Tuscaloosa, Ohio State, the big house. We can go on and on. These legendary stadiums, um, uh, South Bend being one of them. Now, I picked Stanford to make the playoff. I keep reminding everyone because I'm so proud of that pick. I also picked Texas, which after week one looked dumb. But if they run the table from here on out, uh, who looks dumb now? That's not going to happen, but just in case. In case they do, I just want to let you know I haven't abandoned my picks yet. Uh, Last week, they got into a lot of trouble. I picked Stanford. I did pick Stanford to win last week. I was hesitant because of the because of the home field. They were playing at another great home field advantage, Outson Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. They escaped that one with some help from some refs. And I will say, um, I try to remain unbiased. Sometimes I may not, but I try to. Um, that was a touchdown call that they the refs called back. That was a touchdown. If the rules are of football, I thought, if you hit the pylon, that is a touchdown. And clearly, um, Oregon hit, knocked, they kicked the, pil- the pylon over. They ruled it back. Um, Oregon fumbles the next play. And the next play after that, they fumbled. Stanford scoop and score. That completely shifted the whole game. That was a 14-point swing. And then Mario Cristobal just refusing to, to take a knee. If he takes three knees, Stanford still has the ball. They get the ball back but with, like, 13 seconds or something like that with no timeouts and they have to drive the length of the field um, down by a touchdown. So uh, Stanford really, they were gifted that one. Notre Dame's not, they're not going to make those kind of mistakes. They're not going to have that kind of luck anymore. Um, I'm going to take, and also uh, Notre Dame's following the new college football tradition of replacing their running quarterback, in this case being Brendan Wimbush, with a throwing quarterback uh, being Ian Book. So go figure. Your quarterback has to be able to throw the ball accurately um, in big games. Wow, who knew? Um, so Notre Dame switching to uh, quarterback Ian Book. He looked pretty good last uh, last week against uh, Wake Forest, I believe they played. They rolled in that one. Um, and then you have, of course, the power football of Notre Dame. They're able, the strong offensive line and the strong defensive line. They're just a really, really balanced team, as Notre Dame usually is. But what 
Notre Dame hasn't had over the past five years, five to ten years, they haven't had a quarterback. They haven't had someone who can throw the ball downfield and take over um, with their arm. Now they do. It seems it's going to be a second start this season. It's a big game for them. It's uh, you know, not really where you want to start your second game of your career, your collegiate career. But nonetheless, he's getting the start. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think they're going to win big time. I think Notre Dame uh, at home, is just they're just going to roll over Stanford. So uh, that effectively defeats the purpose of me constantly reminding you Stanford was my playoff pick. So this is the last time you're probably going to have to hear about my playoff picks um, because I also picked Alabama and Clemson, but who else? Who didn't pick Alabama and Clemson? That doesn't even count. So um, should that hold true, uh, congratulations. You're not going to have to hear me brag about my picks anymore. Uh, but if Stanford does win, if Stanford wins, I'm going to let you all have it. Even though I'm picking Notre Dame, I also pick Stanford preemptively. So I, no matter what happens here, I, I, I get to be right. So it doesn't matter the outcome of this game. Uh, the crowd noise po- The crowd noise podcast called it first so with that being said let's go into nfl speaking of the crowd noise podcast calling it first i was dead wrong last week because i i said start them sit em. make sure you start all new england patriots you have the patriots are going to roll over the lions and if you have anyone that has an ne next to their name you start them and i was dead wrong because they lost to the lions but I was wrong. I was right in being wrong because you may recall in the beginning of the season, I said the New England Patriots were going to be, they're going to start the season off one and two, maybe, maybe two and two or whatever it may be. And um, there's going to be all kinds of uh, media nonsense. Are the Patriots done? Are they finished? Is Tom Brady done? And I caught a lot of heat for that from one uh, bearded high school basketball coach. We're not going to name any names here, but you know who you are. I caught a lot of heat for that, and it turned out, turns out I was right. The whole time, I was right. I picked them to win last week, and I should have picked them to lose because I had originally picked them to lose, saying that they were going to be 1-2. So I was wrong, but really, I was actually right. So as confusing as that little segment was, it, you just work it out. I was right. So you always got to listen to what I say. I'm going back to picking Stanford to go to the playoff, but picking them to lose this week. I just this is what this is how I make my picks. This is how you do it, kids. You give yourself some kind of insurance. So no matter what you say, you have something to fall back on. So yeah, and again, I'm picking the Patriots to win this week because I said they're gonna start off one and two, everyone's gonna panic, and then they're gonna run off six straight, and they're gonna win their division, they're gonna make the playoffs, and then they're gonna go to the AFC championship game at least, probably playing another Super Bowl. So they're and they play Miami this week, um, who's been a traditional doormat for the Patriots throughout the years. So everything's everything's coming to fruition. Everything I said is coming true. So let's get to, with that, let's get to our actual, that, the Patriots and Dolphins wasn't one of our games that we're picking this week, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. The game we are picking this week, we do it every Thursday. We pick the Thursday night game, which I hate, and I don't have to, but I do any, I mean, it's my show. I could do whatever I want, but I just feel like if there's a game on the night you're recording, you should probably talk about that game. And we finally get a decent, not a decent game, we finally get a great game on Thursday night. I can't remember the last time there was a good game on Thursday night, period. Not this season, but ever, since they decided to make Thursday night a thing. Um, It's a great game on Fox tonight. Vikings, Rams, two NFC Championship favorites, two Super Bowl favorites. I know a lot of people are picking either the Vikings or the Rams to make the Super Bowl. If you pick the Rams like I did... Um, you're looking really good right now. If you pick the Vikings, uh, not so much. But they don't have a losing record. They're one one one. They're one one and one. So um, I don't know what that means, but that's what their record is. Uh, they got trounced last week by um, by the Bills. As exciting as entertaining as Week Two was in the NFL, Week Three was equally as boring and confusing. The Lions beat the Patriots, which I I mean I did not see coming at all. And then the Bills they smashed the Vikings. I could. I can't believe I can't believe that. Still to right now I can't believe that that actually happened. They really just bowled over the Vikings. Josh Allen looked like Superman. It was unbelievable. He literally jumped over people. He actually did look like Superman. Um I don't think it's a big deal for the Vikings going forward, but um go on a short week against the Rams who have looked unstoppable. Um I'm going to take uh I'm going to take the Rams in this one. 
I don't think so. The Rams, I mean, the Vikings will move to one, two, and one. I don't think it, it's a big deal in the Bills' loss, but being that it came on a short week and they lost so badly, like they got beat really bad. Um, I think there, I think there will be some some uh, form of carryover. Um, the Rams are just they're way too. They're they're they've been the best team in the NFL hands down. They haven't been necessarily the most um, exciting or talked about team. They've been exciting. They're fun to watch, but. Uh, the story in the NFL this year has been Patrick Mahomes and then Ryan Fitzpatrick um, and then the Rams. But the Rams have been the best team on both sides of the ball, um, throwing it, running it, and then defending also both sides of the ball. Um, they've, they've just been fantastic. The Rams are going to move to 4-0. Um, they beat the Vikings this week. Next game on Sunday. Yes, Sunday, uh, Browns, Raiders. Now, I know, now, both of these teams are really not good teams. But there is the storyline. It's Baker Baker touchdown maker's first official career start. Well, it's his first start. Last week he came, um, he came in the game in the middle of the game. He didn't start. Uh, Tarod Taylor exited with I believe it was an ankle injury. Um, Baker came in, saved the day, and they beat the Jets, uh, who I picked to win also last week. So I was wrong on that one, and I wasn't right in being wrong or anything like that. I was just wrong in that one. So. We're going to talk about uh, Browns and Raiders. It's, like I said, Baker Mayfield's first career start. Now, here's a fun fact for you. The Raiders, man, they've been terrible this year, but they actually haven't. They haven't been as bad as you think they have or as I thought they have because the perception of them right now is that they're they're just terrible. They're, they're garbage. But uh, here's, we have some very confusing, it's a really confusing episode today. That's the theme of today's episode. They've led after every, okay, hang on, let's backtrack here. They've led in the third, in the beginning of the third quarter, every game this season after the Rams loss. So, hang on, my notes here are all screwed up today. So they've led in the beginning of every third quarter this season. Okay, so starting the second half, they've had the lead every game this year, including against the Rams. In all three games this year, they've had the lead starting um, after half, starting the second half. Every game after week one, so after the Rams game, they've had the lead starting the fourth quarter. And they've lost every single game. So they've had, it's not like they're getting blown out. They've had leads, and they just haven't been able to hold them. They have no pass rush. You know, it's really hard to find a good pass rusher these days. I don't know where you could possibly find a, a good pass rusher. It's really hard to find guys like that. Um, so that's what the Raiders haven't had. They're not going to have a pass rush this week against Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to take the Browns. I actually like the Browns this week um, to to beat the Raiders. Baker Mayfield will move to... One and zero and a half, or two and zero, depending on how you like to look at it. Because he didn't start last week; he came in the middle of the third quarter or whatever, and won that game. So if you want to consider him two and zero, fine. If you want to consider him one and zero and a half, uh, fine. I don't care. Um, so that brings us to the third game this week. That's actually on a Monday night. Um, that that uh, this game is that I picked here. I always pick three games. Uh, I don't know. Against my show, I pick three games if I want to. So we're gonna. This is here's the third game, Chiefs at Broncos. That's gonna be a Monday night game, as I said. Now the Chiefs defense has been terrible this year. They have been awful. What they have been good at is throwing the ball seventy yards down the field with Patrick Mahomes. He's been unstoppable. Actually, last week he really fell off of a cliff, man. It, it's sad to see when you have a guy playing at such a high level and then he just drops off. Patrick Mahomes being a prime example of that, only throwing for three touchdowns last week. Just really sad to see. Um, so they, uh, they're they playing Denver this week. They have a good chance to actually stop someone because Patrick Mahomes has been throwing for uh, hundreds of touchdowns left and right. One, because, I mean, he's really good and he has a lot of weapons. But number two, because he has to. Their defense can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, they have, they're getting to shootouts left and right. I think this is the one week where they might have a chance to really take the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Or get into a a low scoring game um, because the Dem- Denver has a good defense also, or not also they have a good defense, but Denver's offense is not very good. Um, Case Keenum has looked okay um, to start his Denver career, not great, good, but not great. Um, Royce Freeman has been really really disappointing. He was supposed to be this year's uh, Alvin Kamara, so to speak, like kind of a sleeper running back. He's he hasn't been good. I think he's lost his starting job to Philip Lindsay. Um, who got into a fist fight last last week. So um, the Broncos aren't really that uh, dynamic on offense. 
I think this is going to be the first time you see Patrick Mahomes kind of struggle or maybe not struggle, but come down to earth. He's playing Von Miller, Bradley, Chubb. Their secondary isn't very good, but they have a good pass rush. And in the NFL, if you have a good pass rush, you have good pass coverage because you're not giving your quarterback a lot of time to think or go through his progressions or, uh, you know, the things. So I think Patrick Mahomes uh, comes down to earth, has uh, throws an interception or two. I think he uh, gets in, gets himself into a little bit of trouble. I still like the Chiefs because they have, I mean, they just have so many weapons. They got Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, they got Tyreek Hill, they have Kareem Hunt. They, they have so many weapons. I'm going to take the Chiefs in an ugly win. I think Patrick Mahomes struggles, but they find a way to pull one out. So with that, um, those are our picks for the week, our three games. Let's go to Stardom Sidem. It's a shorter version of Stardom Sidem this week. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, there's some pretty solid options out there. And uh, if you have any questions, um, feel free to contact me through Carrier Pigeon. Um, so we're not going to have too many Stardom Sidems this week. They're actually both in the same game, ironically. Um, so here we go. First Stardom Sidem, you want to start Sony Michelle. Uh, as I said earlier, I was dead wrong in picking the Patriots to win, but I was also right. Or excuse me, I was yeah, I was dead wrong picking the Patriots to win, but I was right in picking them to lose three weeks prior. So I said to start everyone if they if they play for New England, you start them. I said that last week, but this this week I actually have a specific player, so that's why you should trust me this week. Uh, Rex Burkhead's been placed on the IR, also with Jeremy Hill, and. This allows um, Sony Michelle to get the number one. He's going to be the number one guy. So this is doubles as the waiver wire edition of the week. Anyone out there? Sony Michelle's out in your league. If you, you might have already missed out on him. I know this this uh, show comes out every Thursday, as I say, like beginning of the show at the end of the show. Um, so you by the time uh, by the time Sony Michelle was named the number one starter, um, you know we were we were too late, but we're letting you know now. Uh, Rex Burkhead, Jeremy Hill, both on the IR. And the Patriots, I, know, I usually don't like, I usually have a rule, you don't trust the Eagles running backs, you don't trust Patriot running backs because they're running backs by committee. But the Patriots have been so thin this year and have so many injury problems. They're not gonna, they don't have the depth to go um, running back by committee. So he's going to be the number one guy. So we'll make a slight exception for that no running back by committee rule because they're just not going to have a committee. So he's going to be the running back. You want to get Sony Michelle. And again, they're playing the Dolphins this week, who have been, as I said before, a doormat for the Patriots throughout the years. Um, so second stardom, sit him. In the same game, sit Kenyon Drake. Now, this has nothing to do with I know it sounds like I'm really high on the Patriots this year. I've talked a lot about the Patriots today. Uh, but I just think... This this is about Kenyon Drake. This isn't about the Dolphins. This isn't about the Patriots. This is about Kenyon Drake specifically. It's been three weeks now, and he's been equally as terrible in all three of these games. He just hasn't been good at all. If you have Kenyon Drake, I understand if you kept him in there for the first three weeks, maybe give him another chance last week. I, I get that you wanted to um, give him another chance to redeem himself, but the experiment is over. It's time to move on. you got to find another option on the waiver, possibly Sony Michelle. If Sony Michelle's out on the uh, waiver wire, if he's a free agent, you might want to go out and get him. He's playing same game time, obviously, so you're not going to um, have any point differential. But it, Or anyone on your bench, if you have someone you're not really not too confident in uh, on your bench, it might be time to take a chance. Or if you, if you have the luxury of having two solid running, uh, running backs and Kenyon Drake was your flex, then you have a little bit more options there. You can go to a receiver or uh, another running back, uh, I don't run your team. It's your decision. Just like you don't run my show, it's my show. I can pick as many stardom sit-ems as I want or as few stardom sit-ems as I want. Uh, but, yeah, Kenyon Drake, he hasn't, I don't think he has 100 yards rushing this year. Uh, he doesn't catch passes. He's, it's, it's time to move on. Kenyon Drake is done. I know, I know you probably drafted him within the first four or five rounds. You were really excited. You tried to convince yourself that it was a good pick. It wasn't. It's okay. It happens. It's time to move on. So sit Kenyon Drake. Start Sony Michelle. If you don't have Sony Michelle, pick up Sony Michelle and then revert back to starting Sony Michelle. That's all the NFL we have. That's all the football we have this week. So now we get to the fun stuff. We get to the NBA. Jimmy Butler. It's the second straight week that we have a Jimmy Butler story. And it's actually, we're not going to be having to repeat ourselves. There's a new development in the Jimmy Butler 
saga. Now he's decided he doesn't want to play with the Knicks. So I wasted about 20 minutes last week explaining how the Knicks could potentially be the next NBA superpower. All for Jimmy Butler to say, no thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. So he wants to play now his his desired team because he get, he's he gets to choose where he wants to go. That's this is where we are in 2018. Players now get to tell you where you get to trade them, not the other way around. Jimmy Butler get wants to play for the Miami Heat. Uh, Minnesota's asking price is ridiculous. Now they're asking for a king's ransom. Their asking price is, and I have it here in my notes. They want seasoned veterans, number one. They want top prospects, number two. Number three, future draft picks, also translating to top, uh, top prospects. And contract relief, they want to dump their gigantic salaries on you also. So that's their um, asking price. So basically what their asking price is, is a new franchise. And I don't blame, I don't blame the Timberwolves. They are a mess right now. They're terrible. They have uh, overrated... What is Andrew Wiggins? Like, what is he? He doesn't shoot very well. He does not play defense. He doesn't like to pass the ball. Um, what What does Andrew Wiggins do? What is he? I don't know what kind of player he is. So that's one of their best players on the team. Then you have Carl Anthony Towns, who I am, I really personally do not like. As a player, I don't have anything against Carl Anthony Towns. The man, I've never met him. Um, but I don't like Carl I think he, like I said last week, I think he's a souped-up Kevin Love. He's... Yeah, he's more athletic than Kevin Love. Obviously, he can get to the rim, but he doesn't protect the rim very well on defense. Um, he rebounds really well, and he can shoot, and that's what Kevin Love does. He rebounds, and he shoots, and he doesn't protect the rim. That's exactly what Carl Anthony Towns is. So, uh, yeah, Minnesota's just asking for a brand-new franchise. Jimmy Butler is not going to practice or play. He's just not going to participate. He's not going to be any part of the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves whatsoever. If he has so much as – if he has so much – as a headache, he's not going to play. He's not going to play for the Timberwolves, taking the Kawhi Leonard route of just, I'm hurt, I'm not going to play. Um, Jimmy Butler's become a headache for the Timberwolves. He's become a real problem for them. And they've, they're they not very smart. They're not known as one of the smarter front offices in the league. And it shows they're asking for this King's ransom for someone who's ultimately a rental. And what the problem with that is, I know you're saying, well, what about Paul George? What about Kawhi Leonard? People have made moves for those guys, and those guys were rentals. Yes, but I'm glad you brought that up. Kawhi Leonard has a history of being nonverbal. He doesn't. He forgot. He lost the ability to laugh like a normal human being. Which I don't. Let's talk about that for a second. I don't condone anyone making fun of Kawhi Leonard for his laugh. He should be respected, and he should be encouraged to laugh. It's the first time he's had the luxury of being able to laugh in his career since joining the San Antonio Spurs. And the first time he laughs, we all make fun of him. That's not right. That's not right at all. Kawhi Leonard should have every right in the world to laugh however he wants to. Okay? Leave Kawhi Leonard alone. He should be able to laugh. Him, he has a history of being nonverbal. He hasn't been able to laugh all these years. So if you're not going to get so much of a laugh out of Kawhi Leonard, well, I'll take him. He's, he's not a problem. He, his biggest thing, he just wanted out of San Antonio. He didn't want to be part of Greg Popovich anymore. He wanted to laugh. He wanted that, that ability to laugh. So he needed to get out of San Antonio. Toronto said, we will accommodate you. And they're taking, they are taking a risk, but they do feel like they can convince him to stay. Paul George, the same thing. He doesn't have a history of being a bad teammate or being a loudmouth or whatever the case may be, off the court issues. He just wanted to play for the Lakers. And the Lakers refused to make a trade there. We all know how that went down. Okay, C said, all right, we'll take a chance. We feel like we can convince him to stay. And they traded for him, and they hit the lottery on that one. Now they signed him to a max contract. He will now be partners in crime with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. It's one of the harder names to say in sports. Um, and then you have Russell Wilson, who's also, um, it sounds like Russell Westbrook. So you confuse yourself. But that Russell Westbrook is one of the harder names to pronounce. Uh, uh, he's a sneaky hard pronounce. You think You would think it's, Chris Tapps Porzingis or Nikola Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, one of the one of the international players. It's actually Russell Westbrook because there's so many um, W's and R's in, in his name. And then you get confused with Russell Wilson. So he gets to play with um, Mr. Anagram himself, Russell Westbrook. Um, so that's why Jimmy Butler, going back, yeah, we got really off track here. Jimmy Butler, what makes him so hard to trade for 
One is the Timberwolves King's Ransom that they're asking for. They want you to just trade franchises with them, which, I mean, it's not a fair ask, but it's I could see where Minnesota's coming from. If you're Minnesota, I would want to trade franchises too. But they also have to deal with Jimmy Butler's history. He's become known as a, now especially at Minnesota, they've thought, okay, maybe he just doesn't like it in Chicago. He's fighting with Rondo. Um, maybe he just need, he just needs out. He needs a new um, scenery. He needs a new fresh team, new coach. And then he didn't get a new coach. He got the same coach. But he just needs a new he needs a new team. And they gave him a new team, and that's not working either. It's, in fact, it's worked worse than what it was in Chicago. And he's become known as a bad teammate. And he's really he's very verbal. He's um, he's not really passive aggressive. He's just aggressive. He's just going to tell you to your face all the problems that he has with you and the franchise and he's going to tell the media also so that's why some teams maybe he's not worth the headache he's not worth that gamble because number one you don't know if he's going to stay and number two you have to deal with all the well number two you have to give the uh, timber bulls your entire team you have to give them draft picks you have to give them your young prospects you have to give them your um your better veteran players and you have to take on their larger contracts and you don't need, and then number 3 you don't know if he's going to resign. You might give away all of that for nothing. So the Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves are making it impossible to get rid of each other. I think Jimmy Butler's going to stick around the Timberwolves for a long time, which means this situation is only going to get worse. There's this situation is not going to get better anytime soon. It's only going to get worse. The only team in the NBA that even has that number of assets to satisfy what the Timberwolves are asking for are the Boston Celtics, which are a team that I brought up last week. Um, there are rumors, of course, that Kyrie Irving wants to go to the Knicks to team up with said Jimmy Butler, but now Jimmy Butler doesn't want to go to the Knicks. So that idea is kind of shot down, but there is that, that dynamic of, well, J- Kyrie wants to play with Jimmy Butler wherever it may be. Why don't we just bring Jimmy Butler here? But that would be the most un-Danny Ainge-like move of all time. He just he doesn't give away picks. He steals them from you. So that's he still has the Sacramento Kings pick. You think the Celtics are good now? They could add Zion Williamson if they want to next year. So just think about that for a quick second. Let that sink in. Zion Williamson might play for the Celtics come next year. It could happen. They keep they hang on to that pick. So, but the Celtics are not going to make that move. They're just they're not. No one's going to make this move. No one in their right mind is going to make this move with the Timberwolves. And as I'm saying that right now, someone will probably make that move by the time this show's over. But Danny Ainge is one of maybe not one of. He is the smartest. GM in the league, he's he's not going to make that move, and the Timberwolves are going to be stuck with Jimmy Butler. What are we in right now? September. I'm looking at my fake calendar here. They're going to be stuck with him until the All-Star break. They're going to have to settle, and he'll probably get sent somewhere. You know where he might get sent? This just popped into my head. Somewhere that's trying to keep their star. He might get sent to New Orleans. Him and Anthony Davis. We'll see how much that works. If they really want to entice Anthony Davis to stay, they can bring in Jimmy Butler. Some re-sign Jimmy Butler if they can convince him to stay. Say, hey, look, Anthony Davis, we're building around you. We're giving you assets. Maybe they keep Anthony Davis to stay. I don't know. That's one possible landing spot. If the uh, Pelicans want to uh, rebuild, or not rebuild, so to speak, but um, if they want to go all, if they want to be all in instead of just, well, we'll see what happens. Because the Pelicans have been one of those teams that have just been in a neutral mode. They haven't really been in win now mode, and they haven't really been in rebuild mode, which is where you don't want to be. You want to be one of the two. You don't want to be in the middle. <sighs> Took a lot out of me. Jimmy Butler, man, he's really he's stressing me out. I'm not I have no horse in this race and he's stressing me out. Imagine what he's doing to Tom Tom Thibodeau. Um another confusing name to say. Really hard to say. Um Tom Thibodeau cuz you want to say Thibodeau. And then that just sounds weird, Tom Thibodeau. Cuz then you then you want to go for the third T, but it's a D. Tom Thibodeau. Terrible. It's a horrible situation they got going on there. Other basketball news we have this week. Less stressful for me. Better for my blood pressure. I'm only 19. I don't have to worry about my blood pressure. But besides that point, Rajon Rondo has been named the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers over one Lonzo Ball. Now, he has been named the starter because Lonzo Ball has a knee injury, not because of... uh, talent or because of play but I do believe that if if Lonzo Ball was fully healthy right now this is the right move this is absolutely the right right move Rajon Rondo is the better point guard right now 
As of right now, Rajon Rondo's the better point guard. You can sit there and you can argue with me all you want. You can tell me, well, Rondo's not a shooter. He's, he's ball dominant. LeBron needs the ball in his hands. Well, I could argue right back and say those are exactly the reasons why Lonzo Ball is not going to... He shouldn't be starting uh, alongside LeBron James. He didn't have a good shooting season. From anywhere on the floor, he didn't have a good shooting season. Um, not from three, not from mid-range. Uh, he got to the rim and finished, but he is, uh, he is somewhat injury prone. He only played 50 games last year, so he can't take that kind of a beating. And as you said before, imaginarily arguing with me, LeBron needs the ball in his hands, so Lonzo is not going to be able to drive the lane as much as he wants to. Um, at UCLA, he was a good shooter. He was one of the best three-point shooters in the country, and they moved that. He gets in the NBA. They moved that three-point line back, and it changed for him. He has. I know he's been working on his shot. I don't care. His shot is still broken, even this modified version that he's that they've been showing me constantly, nonstop. Well, his new jump shot, though, I don't care. I don't care. He's not going to be a shooter. He's not a shooter. He's not going to be a shooter. Okay, he's just not. But what Rondo gives you is a veteran presence. He's a seasoned veteran. He's a finals champion. He's been in the playoffs. Recently, he went last year with Anthony Davis. He had a a 22-assist game or a 25-assist game. It was unbelievable. He was dropping dimes left and right. He's a table setter. And in this new stage of LeBron where he wants to play the small ball five, you give Rondo that ability to make all those plays and create for LeBron versus LeBron creating for LeBron. It takes off a lot of stress um, from LeBron's body. In this, when you have LeBron James, all eyes are on you. When you're the Lakers, the all eyes are on you. Um, the Lakers weren't even good. They didn't have their draft pick last year, but if they did, they would have been a lottery team. And every, no one could stop talking about the Lakers. They had Kyle Kuzma, they had Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and then there was that lure also of bringing in possibly Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or Paul George at the time. But you want Rondo because he's a veteran and he can handle all this kind of stress that the media um, brings, that LeBron, the attention that LeBron brings and that the Lakers bring. You want Rondo in there because he can handle the length of the season. Um, it, gives, it deters any growing pains that Lonzo Ball may have. Remember, he's, this is only going to be his second season in the league. Um, he's bound to struggle at some point being he's so young. I mean, it's just going to happen. And LeBron has said, yeah, okay, I'm okay with um, mentoring our young players and guiding them along. But it, that sounds good. I mean, it sounds really great when he says that. But how committed is he really? That Going through those growing pains, those um, inexperienced, those dumb mistakes that just happen you know, from inexperienced players, they, um, they wear real thin really quick. They, they wear you down. And I don't think LeBron has time to deal with that. He, well, maybe he will because these players are actually inexperienced. These won't be dumb bonehead mistakes com- coming from veterans like J.R. Smith in game one of the finals. So maybe there is that level of, okay, well, they're young. They should be making these mistakes. But I don't think LeBron's going to put up with that for the length of a season. Uh, Rondo's not going to make those mistakes. Obviously, he's one of the smartest point guards in the league. Uh, you know, you got Chris Paul. You got a bunch of smart point guards. Rondo's up there. As far as basketball IQ, Rondo's up there with the best in the league. And you pair him with LeBron James, who is maybe the smartest basketball player in the NBA. Um, yeah, I like that combination. I'm not saying Lonzo's bad. I already know what you're rolling your eyes right now saying, man, this guy's the biggest Lonzo ball hater on the face of the earth. I'm not. Of course his ceiling is higher than Rajon Rondo. But right now, if you want to win games, who's better, Rajon Rondo or Lonzo Ball? I'll take Rajon Rondo. Because they're both not good. They're basically the same guy, but Rondo's more seasoned. He has more experience under his belt. That means something. You can pretend it doesn't, but it does. Experience matters. I'll take Rajon Rondo. I think this is the right move. And if Lonzo Ball is healthy, he should remain on the bench. For the time being, not forever, Rondo's only on a one-year deal. He might not even be back next season. Then you let Lonzo Ball come in and really take the reins. Um, Well, not take the reins because... As long as LeBron's on the team, the reins are his, but he'll get the starting job. With that, speaking of LeBron James, it's time for the quote of the week. We only got 10 minutes left. Let's make it quick. <sighs> quote of the week, nothing, LeBron James. That's the quote. Not, not that there isn't a quote of the week. The quote is nothing, um, LeBron James. When asked, at this point of his career, will anything add pressure to LeBron? He said, nothing or what adds pressure to 
LeBron James at this point of his career, he said nothing. I thought that was that was uh, at Lakers media day. Um, I thought it was the perfect answer, um, and it's the right answer at this point. LeBron James, he has nothing to worry about. I mean, he's done it all. He's a Finals champion. He's a Finals MVP. Um, multiple multiple time MVP. He doesn't. He, there's nothing that adds pressure. He's the most scrutinized and polarizing athlete in sports history, period, of all time. So what? anything he does is going to be put under a microscope already. And okay, well, I get that he's in one of the biggest media markets in the country now. It doesn't matter. He was the most, scrut- most talked about athlete in Cleveland already. He was already that. There's no more pressure that you can possibly add on this guy. There's nothing that's going to affect him. I don't see anything. I don't think all what LA has to offer is going to distract LeBron. He's a veteran. He's a he's a grown man. He's been playing this game longer than I've been alive and he's the best to ever do it. So there's no there's nothing in LA that's going to distract him. That's going to take away his focus from what he needs to do. Um if he was young if he was a young superstar, immature, uh, maybe, but he's none of those things. He's not immature. He's focused and he like I said before, he's the smartest player in the league. He's a veteran. He's been in the finals with eight straight times now. Um, nine total. There's nothing, there's nothing that adds pressure. There's nothing that's going to distract him. He's committed. He's here. He's focused. He's working out. There's, there's, yeah, I thought, that was, um, I thought it was a fair question, but I thought it was a dumb question. Uh, fair because he's on a new team, and this is the biggest media market he's ever played in, but dumb because, it, yeah, nothing. That was exactly the right. I thought it was the perfect answer in the sense that that's what you want to give the media. You don't want to give them anything, but it's also the right answer. There's nothing that's going to add pressure to LeBron James at this point in his career. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, with that, that brings us to the end of the show this week. Thank you for joining me. This is the Crowd Noise Podcast. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify. You can listen on the Anchor app. And you can listen on Google Podcasts. Uh, Come back next week. Tell your friends. Every single Thursday, Crowd Noise Podcast. Enjoy the games this weekend.